Thank you for listening to this message by Pastor Chad Randall at Life Story Church. We are a grassroots church located in the heart of the Bellevue community in Nashville, Tennessee. Our services are streamed live on Facebook and YouTube every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. and Wednesday, 7 p.m. Central Time. We would love for you to join us. Now here's Pastor Chad Randall. Uh, Thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, I'm excited about what the Lord has uh, given us to talk about. Uh, We started a sermon series last Sunday, this just this past Sunday, called Kingdom Come, and there's a lot, a lot of uh, uh, meat on the bone for us. Uh, I'd like to begin uh, right off the top this evening uh, with a scripture. Uh, Matthew chapter 6, verse 10 reads, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We've heard that scripture a million times, right? It's the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's how I grew up saying it. Holy is your name, in other words. Your will be, your kingdom come, your kingdom come, your will be done. I'm excited to jump into this message tonight. Uh, but before I do, of course, as always, I need to mention a couple things. Uh, as, a, as a young budding church here in the Bellevue community of Nashville, Tennessee, there's a lot going on. So uh, this coming Saturday, uh, we're going to be having a work day slash serve day again at the Rowwood Retreat uh, out on Highway 100, where we've been meeting at the Outdoor Chapel. Uh, this uh, this organization, this this retreat has been such a blessing to us that uh, we want to give back. So uh, we've heard from them. They've asked us if we could get to get a, a, a handful of uh, people together to come out and uh, do some work. It'll probably take two to three hours is all it'll be. We're going to meet at 10 a.m. on Saturday. So I've sent out <clears throat> some uh, text messages to some of you guys and I have uh, posted that also in the Life Story Church family group page as well. So if you are free for a few hours on Saturday morning, guys, uh, <clears throat> please come out, lend a hand, and we can uh, knock out what they've got for us. Also, the weather is looking good. I'm so excited looking at that uh, forecast. Uh, hopefully this Sunday we won't be rained out. You know, as you know, a few weeks ago, uh, the, the few weeks ago now, the Nashville mayor set us back to phase two which means you know, the, the odds of us getting into the middle school uh, are, are lower than usual. Phase three is our goal for getting back into the Bellevue Middle School. So we're so blessed to have this uh, outdoor chapel and be able to meet together as well and fellowship with one another and sing together as well in unison and praising our Lord, something that they're having to fight for in California right now. And they're actually having to fight for a lot more than that. And that's something that we'll get to in a bit as well, okay? Uh, so if you haven't done it yet, guys, I just encourage you. I always tell you, hey, share our social media stuff. Share the Facebook video. Share the sermon advertisements. Invite people to like the page. Do a review of the, of the church as well on the page. All of that stuff, guys, just the more, thing, the more action that's happening on the Facebook page, the Instagram page, the more likely somebody is to come across it and find it and see it, okay? So do that stuff. Also, if you're on here uh, tonight and you see a church family family member, say hello, say good evening, you know, do some high five emojis or something like that, right? If you see a, a name pop up that you've never seen before, maybe somebody is checking out the church for the first time, make them feel welcome, guys, okay? How awesome is it that we've got a virtual uh, a room to hang out in together here on this platform, okay? And I want to welcome all those uh, who are joining us on YouTube as well. Uh, if you guys have not gone over and clicked subscribe on the YouTube page, if you're on the YouTube page right now, go ahead and click subscribe if you haven't. But but uh, if you're on Facebook, just wait. Don't go there yet. Just stay with us here. And when we're done tonight, go click subscribe over on that page. Again, you know, we're a grassroots church uh, in the West Hills of Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, free advertisement is a wonderful thing. So help us out with that, guys, okay, if you would. Uh, without any further ado, I want to do something tonight. I want to begin in prayer because, like I said, I'm really excited about the message that the Lord has for us this evening. And I just want to, I want to bless it tonight. Let's do that, can we? Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I just ask right now that you'd be with us, Father. 
I ask that your word would go forward tonight, your truth would be spoken boldly and unashamedly, Father, and that it would, it would be a seed that takes root in the hearts of your people, God, but also in the hearts of, of those who might not be, call themselves yours yet, Lord. I pray that your, your word, Father, would draw them to you. Lord. So with that, we would just ask you to have your way tonight. Your will be done. Your purposes, your kingdom purposes be done as on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Amen. So uh, your kingdom come, your will be done. Can I actually see that uh, scripture? Do we have that? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm, I'm going to wait for it to pull up. I want you to look at this if we can. Do we have it now? Well, I'll just repeat it then. Your kingdom come, your will be done. The part of that scripture that gets us sometimes is the last part, the on earth as it is in heaven. You know, we asked the question last week, what is there this last Sunday? What does this scripture mean to you? Think about it. His kingdom, there it is, thank you guys. His kingdom on earth, his will being done on earth. What does that look like? What does that look like? Am, am I praying, when I say that prayer, am I praying for something that I don't truly even understand? I think for a lot of Christians, the answer to that question is yes. Most Christians don't fully understand what that means because they don't understand the kingdom mindset. The kingdom mindset. That, as we talked about last, last Sunday, we are, we are, whether we are engaged in our calling or not, we are ambassadors of our king in this foreign land. Ambassadors representing our king, his interests here as well, from one government to another government. How many Christians, your average Christian that goes to the church at least one hour a week on Sundays, truly live their lives from that perspective? That through that lens, everything you, 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 you watch, you listen to, the, all the different people that you interact with, the jobs that we work, the, the commutes that we make, how many of us live our day-to-day -day lives through that lens, that understanding, that perspective that I am an ambassador <clears throat> here representing my king, the king of all kings, here in this place, here in this city, here at this job, here in my family, whatever it is, right? Your will be done. Your interests from one government to another, your will be done. Your, in other words, you, that your desires would be accomplished here, here on earth as it is in heaven. Now, we talked about this uh, on Sunday a lot, so I'm not going to dig too much deeper into it tonight. I want to I back out to more of a 10,000-foot view tonight. But, but so many, I think, so many in the church uh, don't see our role as, as, as fighting for the interests of our king in, in every area of life, in pop culture, in our work, in commerce, in finance, in every area of this worth. Your desires would be accomplished. What, is, what are God's desires for this world? What do you think God's desires are for Nashville, Tennessee? What do you think God's desires are for Brentwood, Tennessee, Bellevue, Tennessee, Kingston Springs? Tennessee? Think about that. How we choose to run our homes individually, how we choose to run our cities are we choosing to run our cities in a way that God would approve of, that his desires are being accomplished in how we govern, even our towns? Hmm. That is why we're here, after all. And people all the time are like, ah, oh, I don't know why I'm here. What? I want to find my purpose in life. Why am I even here, God? You're here because you're, you're an ambassador of Christ, first and foremost. You know what God wants from you? I say it all the time. He wants you. Number one, he wants you. He wants you. He, he, he wants relationship with you. Number one. And then he's given you a commission. 
And he's given you a purpose, a commission to preach the kingdom to all the world, to bring the gospel of grace to all the world, to bring the name of Jesus to all the world and represent him and represent him well. Do we live our lives truly with that kingdom perspective? All right? That is what you're here for. Hear me now. Hear me. To build his kingdom, not your own kingdom. There's an application point right there. The prosperity gospel has got you thinking that you're here to build your own little kingdom. And it's done a really good job at that over the years. Uh, the American Gospel is a documentary on Amazon Prime. I encourage everybody to go watch it if you want some insight into what the prosperity gospel truly is. It's not so. It's a lie. It's a lie, church. What are your king's interests? What is he interested in? That's what you need to be interested in, okay? I think Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon said it well. Now, Charles Spurgeon, boy, I don't know if you guys have ever read any Spurgeon, but just incredible. I mean, the guy was a quote machine, for real. He was also a Calvinist, and I'm not a Calvinist, but, you know, uh, so uh, it's a struggle. But I, so much of what he said is, it's a struggle on whether or not I want to use him a lot, because, again, the difference theologically, but... So, so much of what he said is just so beautifully put. He said this. I think he said it well when he said this. A Do we have that quote? A church that does not exist. And if you've been with us a long time at Life Story Church, you've heard me read this before. Uh, we've actually put this in some of our advertisement uh, literature before. A church that does not exist to reclaim heathenism, to fight evil, as I read this, I just want you to think of the church today, okay? Just look at this and read with me and think of where the church is today. A church that does not exist to reclaim heathenism. Okay, so heathenism. Does the church today fight to reclaim that? Or do they just kind of go along and change their doctrine to fit the heathenism? I'll let you answer that one. To fight evil, how are we doing on fighting evil that is so prevalent in these dark times? To destroy error, how good is the church today at destroying error? What kind of effort are we making to destroy error in our pulpits? I don't think we're doing very well. I think more oftentimes than not, we have a, have a preference to sweep our differences under the rug rather than confront uh, a pastor that is teaching a, a false doctrine. To put down falsehood, same thing. How do we do putting down falsehood? How many lies? How many, I'm gonna, you know, I've, I was talking to um, Brian and Nora last night, and I said, you know, I'm going to do a sermon, uh, maybe it's even a series, on this, and I'm going to call it, That's Not in the Bible. How many beliefs do we have as Christians, different things that we have just come to believe traditionally, that are not actually in the Word of God? A number of them, a number of them. I'll, we might even get to a couple of them tonight. Uh, but let's keep reading. Let's, let's keep reading. A church uh, that does not <clears throat> put down falsehood, a church that does not exist to take the side of the poor, to denounce injustice, how do we do it? Denouncing injustice. Do we do well at that? Okay, I mean, it's good for us to think about this on a, on a local level as far as Life Story Church is concerned, but how do we do as the church on a national level? Okay, not great, not great. To denounce justice and to hold up righteousness. How is the church doing in its endeavor to uphold righteousness in this nation? Are the pastors railing against uh, uh, the unrighteousness that's prevalent in our streets? Are they? Are they? Might not be a popular message for this uh, crowd these days. Ooh. A church that does not do these things is a church that has no right to be. Holy cow. I'm gonna, let's rewind it. Let's read that again. A church that does not exist to reclaim heathenism, to fight evil, to destroy error, to put down falsehood. A church that does not exist to take the side of the poor, to denounce injustice, and to hold up righteousness is a church that has no right to be. Not for yourself, O oh church, do you exist any more than Christ existed for himself. Whew, scathing. My goodness. So looking at things from this perspective now, we have a pretty good idea, don't we, of what's going right 
in the church and what's going wrong in the church at large today, don't we? As a rule, as a rule, we have a pretty easy time finding fault with uh, the American church this, these days, don't we? Or the church at large. Certainly, certainly the American church and the European church, we have an easy time finding fault with those church, with the, the church today. Uh, as a rule, as a rule, you know, that's really nothing new. That's really nothing new because if you were to be honest, be honest now, if we were to be honest, most of us, we have a pretty easy time finding fault with just about anything these days, don't we? We have a pretty easy time finding fault with just about any one these days as well. Considering that, let me say this, guys. What I hope to do tonight uh, is not to strike a negative tone. I, just, I, don't, I don't, you know, I'm not trying to, be, uh, to strike a negative tone, okay? Uh, I guess I don't really care if I do either. But <laughs> I don't want, what I don't want to do tonight is to discourage. I don't want to discourage. I don't want to seek to gossip tonight or to create, you know, a platform for uh, the airing of grievances, right? Uh, what I hope to do tonight is to inspire, inspire, to rally, to invigorate with you. I want to invigorate you with sound, attainable instruction that will empower you. How about that? Does that sound good? Do we have any amen, many amens going yet? Carolyn, how are we doing on the amen corner? Let's get that amen corner going, all right? Who's, I think that was Pastor Clay used to say the amen corner on his, uh, anyway, mentor of mine. The amen corner online. Let's get that going tonight, guys, okay? I want to inspire you guys. Because guess what? Guess what? You want some really cool news? I'm your guy. <laughs> Here's some really cool news, okay? Make no mistake, you were born for this. You were born for, in, for this hour of history, in this hour of history for a reason. That's pretty awesome. And guess what? You're not alone. I know sometimes with all this madness going on, especially since they've got us meeting virtually online right now and and. and, and kicked out of the school and I know it's easy to feel alone. We're not able to bring our gifts to the body and operate in our gifting with one another, which is what God has called us to do. And we feel the, feel the absence of that purpose in our, in our hearts and in our lives, okay? But you're not alone, even though it often feels that way. We, and you've got good reason for it. You think we've got it bad, right? With what we're dealing with in Nashville, which is a pill, surely. But I want to show, show you a headline in case you missed it this week. It's nothing compared to what's going on in California. Now, this past Sunday, I showed you a headline that, uh, a headline that said California bans singing in churches for COVID-19 reasons, right? Are you kidding me? You're, I'm sorry, you can't ban me from raising a hallelujah. Amen? Amen? Well, it, as if that wasn't a step too far. Can I see that headline, <clears throat> Evangeline? Thank you. California shuts down bars, indoor dining, and most gyms and churches. They haven't just shut down singing in church now. They shut down church. In over 30 counties, Governor Gavin Newsom has shut down the right to even assemble, period. Now here, we, it's bad enough that we can't gather 25 people or more, right? But in California, they're saying not at all. And they guess what? And, and get, get this. They said indefinitely. Oh boy, we need to be praying, praying, as we talked about on Sunday, praying for California. And, but, and, but then guess what? Not just leaving it there. And we'll get, uh, you're going you're gonna to get a, a dose of, of this tonight in the rest of our message, okay? But we've got to be a voice so, it, so we fight it from coming here because it's on its way here. It's on its way here if we allow it. If we allow it. I truly mean that, church. I believe that the voice of the church, if we'll rise up and speak truth boldly and loudly, we can prevent it, okay? So I said attainable instructions, didn't I? I did. I said I want to give you guys, I want to rally, I want to invigorate, I want to inspire, and I want to give you attainable instructions. So you note takers, grab your pens tonight. Obviously, uh, 
uh, if you're making your, he your headers on your notes, they were still in the uh, Kingdom Come sermon message too. So here we go. Let me ask you a question. Has anybody ever, ever said to themselves, when things seem to be getting out of hand, have you ever asked yourself, oh man, you know what, I just need to get back to basics. We've heard that term before, right? I just need to get back to basics. I remember Amber and I, that was our mantra when uh, Asher was a little boy. You know, anytime, you know, he'd start to get out of line with his behavior, you know, we think, oh, buddy, we just need to get back to basics with him because, you know what, it's, <clears throat> every parent should strive to, to say what they mean and mean what they say, right? Their yes should be yes and their no should be no. But unfortunately, a lot of times we as parents, we say no, but then when our kid works on us and works on us and works on us, what do we do? We say, well, all right, all right, what, just, just do it, have it, whatever, okay, right? Well, if you, after a period of time, you keep that going, eventually the child starts to believe that no doesn't mean no, and rightfully so. It's, not, it's never the child's fault, keep that in mind. Therefore, when we would <laughs> arrive at that point, Amber and I would always say to each other, oh boy, we, just, we need to get back to basics. Right, So I think the church at large is at that point. I think it's time that we get back to basics. Revelation chapter 2 verse 5 says this, Consider how far you have fallen. Repent, and what do the things that you did at first? If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. But let's look at the front of that verse again. How considerate, which means think about it, process this. How far you have fallen, repent and do the things that you did at first. This passage is specifically referring to the church of Ephesus. Jesus tells them via John that they had forgotten the love that they had had at first. You've forgotten it. Consider how far, far you've fallen, he's saying. <laughs> You've forgotten the love that you had at first. So let me ask you another question. I love asking you guys questions. If, it, if we were meeting in person, you'd be popping off answers left and right. We'd be having a great time, wouldn't we? All right, so let me ask you another question. Do you remember when you first fell in love? Anybody? Do you remember the intensity? Do you remember the joy? Do you remember the hope for the future that you had? Do you remember the gratitude that you felt as it was reciprocated? Do you remember that? Surely you do. I know you do. You know, C.S. Lewis tells us in Mere Christianity, one of my favorite books, number one on Pastor Chad's recommended reading, okay, whether you're a uh, new Christian or a mature Christian, highly recommend it. <laughs> he tells us in Mere Christianity that God has had mercy on us by allowing that emotion to fade. Think about that. He's had mercy on us by allowing that emotion to fade, or we'd never get anything done, he says. And how true is that? He's, he is so right on. You know, infatuation is a wonderful emotion, but it passes. It passes, and we need it to, or we'd never be able to focus on the things that we need to focus on to accomplish our purpose in life and attain the goals that God is, kingdom goals that God has set out for us. But why is that so exciting? Why is that so exciting? Because we all want love, don't we? Of course we do. We all want love, an intimate love with another. Surely we want it. Now let me ask you a que another question with that in mind. Do you remember how you felt when you first met your Creator and your Savior? Do you remember that emotion? Do you remember that excitement? Do you still have an, emo an, intimate, an intimate relationship with Him? And if not, how long has it been? How long has it been? Remember, <clears throat> if what you felt was real, what you were left with was an intimate relationship. My advice to couples uh, that have lost intimacy all the time when I do counseling, uh, marriage counseling, my, the, my advice to couples that have lost intimacy, I always say step one. Step one is to go back and do your first works again. How long has it been since you've been on a date, right? Go back, 
ask your wife out to dinner, right? How long has it been since, since you have, have been doing that, right? Go back to your first works. Do your first works again. So my advice to the church that has lost intimacy, stay with me here, are you with me? My advice to the church that has lost intimacy, lost its way, step one, guess what? You just read it, is to go back and do your first works again. I think it's obvious why this is relevant for the church at large today. I hope you do too, but I think this is a relevant message for our church as well. Life Story Church. Life Story Church because we're birthing something new, guys. We are birthing something new, and it will look like whatever we cultivate it to look like. All of us together, you have a say in that. You have a part to play in that, guys. Mm. There is no set concrete that we have at Life Story Church. No set concrete that needs to be broken up before we can do things how, how we feel uh, they need to be done according to God's kingdom purposes, right? We have a chance that many institutionally established churches don't have. At Life Story Church, it is our hope, it is our desire, hear my heart here, and dream to build a church that resembles the first church the first church, and that we are all about king, achieving his kingdom interests. Amen? So, in the spirit of getting back to basics tonight, a few questions. Can I see that next graphic? For you note takers, here you go. We're going to work through... We're going to work through these all at the same time. I think we're going to answer all three at the same time. What is the church? When did it start? What did it look like? There will be more questions, I think, that will come across and will be answered. But let's just start here. You know, the, the first time we ever heard the word church spoken, it comes to us... Uh, from the mouth of our blessed Savior himself, Jesus. Did you know that? Jesus was the first one to ever say church in the, in, in, uh, in the Bible. Let's read Matthew chapter 16, verse 13 through 18 together, shall we? When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, well, some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or, you know, one of the other prophets, one of the prophets. Verse 15, he saith to them, but whom say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the Messiah, in other words. The Son of the living God. Verse 17. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven has revealed that to you. Verse 18. And I say also unto thee, here we go, thou art Peter. Mm. And upon this rock, I will build my church. This is him getting his name. Simon, God is changing his name here. Thou art Peter, and that's a whole nother sermon, but thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Against what? The church. That is quite an introduction, if you ask me. Quite an introduction. We can discern a lot from this, okay? Keep in mind this, okay? Keep in mind that, th that this, the context of the whole passage that I just read you, all right? Who do you say I am? And some are saying, well, uh, some say you're this guy. Some say that you're that guy. Some say you're, just an, you're another one of the prophets, right? Peter says, no, you're the Messiah. You're, this, you're the son of the living God. That, so, so, in... This is all in spite of what other people are saying. Simon's answer is all in spite of what the other people around him are saying. You know, have you ever been in one of those situations where you feel like the Holy Spirit is giving you the truth, but you hear a lot of people around 
when they're speak, they're not speaking the truth. You know, they, they might be close, even if you're, you might even be in a Christian circle or a Christian Bible study or, or or a, a fellowship event, something like that. And and there's a lot of eh, it's just off. And you know the truth, and you could speak up, and you could bring correction doctrinally or whatever it is on any issue. It, it can be hard to fight that. There is an angst and insecurity within us that wants to creep up. But Peter, not not so much. There he is, in spite of what other people are saying, Simon's faith, Simon, before that moment, right? His faith his, is what laid the foundation, okay? It is what qualified him for election and for honor in this moment. Through his intimacy, through his intimacy, hear me now, through his intima intimacy with the Father, he received revelation. You getting that? That's what Jesus said. The Father told you that. I see you there, Peter. I see you there. Jesus says to him, you are a rock. I love that. Don't you love that? Does anybody remember uh, uh, why Moses... Uh, let's change gears here. Does anybody remember why Moses was not allowed to go into the Promised Land? You're going to think I'm jumping off uh, into left field here, but you watch it. Watch me bring it back. All right. Does anybody remember? Come on, come on now. Let us know you're here. All right. Does anybody remember why Moses was not allowed to go into the Promised Land? He sinned. He sinned against the Lord. Does anybody remember what that sin was? Eva's raising her hands. Eva's raising her hands. <laughs> I'll have to give you a microphone for next time, honey, okay? We find it in Numbers chapters, uh, chapter 20, verse 7 through 12. Let's read. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Take the rod. You and your brother Aaron gather the congregation together. Speak to the rock before their eyes, and it will yield its water. Okay, keep in mind the context. The Israelites are wandering around the desert. They're thirsty, and God says, I'm going to give you rock, water from a rock. This is awesome. Uh, Thus you shall bring water from them out of the rock and give drink to the congregation and their animals. Verse 9. So Moses took the rod from before the Lord as he commanded him. And Mo, verse 10, And Moses and Aaron gathered the assembly together before the rock, and he said to them, Hear now, you rebels! Must we bring water for you out of this rock? Keep in mind, there's a lot of groaning and complaining happening in this desert from the Israelites. Verse 11, Then Moses lifted his hand and struck the rock twice with his rod, and Water came out abundantly, and the congregation and their animals drank. Now look, I understand, trust me, it can be tough to deal with complainers in your congregation. Trust me. I get it. Now there's, there's some, don't get me wrong, if there's something that, that, that we're off on and we need to correct, please come to us in love and humility, and we'll... we'll We'll bring leadership together and we'll address problems and we'll make corrections and all that stuff, but you know what I'm getting at. I mean, these people were complaining and questioning his leadership. I mean, they're to each other. He was well aware of it. Oh, that's so toxic, guys, isn't it? You know what I'm talking about. You deal with this stuff at work, don't you? I know, I know you do. Uh, you've dealt with it in other churches you've been a part of, haven't you? I know you do. Trust me, okay? Surely not Life Story Church, though, right? Definitely not. Never. Uh, but the water came out. But guess what? Verse 12. Let's read. Verse 12. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and said, Because you did not believe me. Hmm, that's interesting. To hollow me in the eyes of the children of Israel. To honor me, hollow me. Therefore, you shall not bring this assembly into the land which I have given them. Holy cow, that seems like a bit of an overreaction, doesn't it? Right? Well, let's, let's frame this. What really just happened here? Moses, in his anger, in his disgust with the children of Israel, struck the rock. I get that. Do you get that? 
I'm, and I'm not talking about, trust I love our church. I'm not railing on us, right? But the, you know what I'm talking about. Look at the Church of America, the church at large right now, guys. Do you not look around and say, where is the church? Why are we not at irate right now? Why are we not speaking out, standing up? Why are we tolerating this? Anybody? Moses was angry. <clears throat> he was disgusted. You want water? Here you go. And he struck the rock. Man, it seems to me like an understandable moment for me and everything that this guy is dealing with, right? Hmm. But guess what? Guess what, church? Nothing with God and his word is accidental, church. Nothing. Not every yacht, every tittle, every I dotted, every T crossed is in there for a reason. It's intentional. This was a moment of type and shadow for all generations to come. That's what this was about, church. The rock, do you remember the passage? What did God say? The rock was to be spoken to. It was to be spoken to. And what did Moses do? He struck it. The rock, why does that matter? Well, the rock was to be spoken, spoken to as a type and shadow. And through the word, the spoken word, would living waters flow? The word, and guess what word it was? It was the word of God because God had told Moses what to say. So he was the ambassador. He was the mouthpiece of the living God. And God said, say this, and he didn't. That's why he is punished. He's supposed to speak to the rock and through the word that was spoken, that was spoken, would living waters flow. The Lord told Moses, because you did not believe, don't let that be lost on you. He would rather, he would, he would later tell Peter, as a matter of fact, because you have believed, you are the rock. So look at this contrast here. The rock needed to be spoken to, to yield its water. Moses instead struck, he struck the rock instead. Hmm. Ruining a good type and shadow. Of course, God gets his glory out of it, doesn't he? Later on, what does God tell Peter? Because you have believed you are now the rock. You are the rock. Come on, is this not cool? This is cool. You are the rock now through whom, what did he say? Living waters will flow. I love that. And then what else did he say? The gates of hell shall not prevail against you. You know, uh, gates are defensive, right? I think I mentioned this a few weeks ago. Has anybody ever seen the Lord of the Rings movie? The, I always think of that part. I always get this visual of the, the two towers in the Lord of the Rings movie. And the army is held up in, at Helm's Deep. And they've got this huge fortress with big walls and big gates and the enemy's trying to get in and it's an epic battle scene of uh, man versus goblin or whatever, right? And, uh, <laughs> but gates are defensive. They're to keep somebody out. You, you, do you get where I'm going with this? God said, you will be the rock that the church is built on. You will be the rock through which living waters flow and the gates of hell will not prevail against you. Yeah, I think most Christians are living their lives with the gates up in a defensive position. We're supposed to be ambassadors here with, with our hearts angled, our heads angled, our minds angled in an offensive position. We talked about on Sunday how many of us are they're just waiting to get picked up, right? Like a, an ambassador who's dropped off on the docks and the boat turns around and leaves. The ambassador, what's he supposed to do? He's supposed to, he's supposed to advocate for the king's interests here to the government that's already present in this, in this uh, territory, right? But instead, he just walks back to the dock and starts waiting for the ship to come back and get him. That's, we're supposed to be, our hearts and our minds are supposed to be offensively angled church. Mm-mm-mm-mm. What do you think of hell when I say the word hell, by the way? You think of, you know, fire and brimstone and all that, don't we? Let me, 
Let me ask you a question. You ever been camping? What do you put a fire out with? What do you put a fire out with? A campfire. What do you do to it? You dump water on it, right? You know what else? You know, what can always pass through a gate? Uh, you can close your doors, you know, to your house, shut the gates, right? What can always pass through a gate, no matter what, huh? Water. <laughs> I mean, we had our, it was a, a, year, a year or so ago, a couple years ago, I was uh, sitting at my desk in, in the basement of our house, and I was just writing my sermon on a Saturday night, and I thought I was having a stroke or something, because all of a sudden, I got this weird tingling sensation in my feet, and I was like, what in the world is that? And I looked down, and my basement was flooding. I was like, holy cow. It was quite the dramatic scene there for moments after. But the whole basement flooded. Three inches flooded. Do you know how it flooded? It came in the cracks of the foundation. My God, it didn't even have to come through the door. It came through the cracks in the foundation at the bottom of the walls. My goodness, church. The gates of hell will not prevail against living water. Amen? Living water that is spoken. How is it poured out? It is speak to the rock and it's poured out. Church, come on now. Mm -mm -mm. Water that has sprung forth from the rock that the church is built on. From you. You, Petros, are the rock I will build my church upon. Build his what? On his church. Say it with me. Church, come on now. Let me see. Let's look at what, uh, what was written truly in Matthew in the Greek. It was originally written in the Greek. Let's see what it says. What's that word? Church, we know it. Let's say it together. Can I see that? It's ecclesia. Ecclesia. A gathering of citizens, get this now, called out from their homes into some public place and assembly. My ecclesia. So there can be ecclesias for all kinds of different reasons in Greek. You know, the, the soccer club, the knitting club, the whatever kind of people called out from their homes and just come public space for a reason, right? Jesus said, my ecclesia, my ecclesia, mm -mm, will I build upon you. Called out ones. Called out. Man. I just, want to, I just want to read this over and over again to every, every person that just feels mm, that, that this, the, how we're not allowed to meet together. Out in, we're being shut down from meeting together in a public space. How wrong that is. It's our purpose, our calling. We are called to get out in public. You know, it used to be before all this mess, I'd have to talk to people and they'd say, well, I like to just have, have church from home. I've been hurt by the church. And so I just have, me and Jesus, I watch a sermon uh, on TV and I'm just having church myself. No, you're not. You're not. A church is call, gathering together with the body of Christ in some public space. You see how wrong this is, what they're doing in California? I mean, this is our purpose, church. Where do we draw the line? I saw a headline from the Sacramento Bee on the, I don't have it to show you, but on the Sacramento Bee had another headline about the same thing uh, in, in, that Governor Newsom did this week. And said, where, so pastors are, are asking the question, where do we draw the line? One of those pastors said, forget it, I'm, we're gonna meet anyway, and I'm running for governor. Well, amen to that. That is, a, that is a man of God that's doing what we're supposed to be doing. An ambassador, one government to another government. Amen? And we're supposed to be leaders, church. We're supposed to be leaders in every industry. Every industry. Offensively positioned in our hearts and minds. His called out ones. We have been called out. And... And build on a, to build on a foundation that brings forth, we're built on a foundation that brings forth living water. Guess what? When the word is spoken, the word is spoken to the foundation of the church and living waters flow. His word is so good. It's all just woven so good. How does that, how do you, how do you pull, seriously, how do you, how did God do that? Take Numbers chapter 20 
in Matthew chapter 16 and just do that with them. It's just incredible. It's beautiful, church. Do you see it? My goodness, we've been called. How does that not? Are you inspired? How does it not inspire you? Surely you're inspired. I'm, in, I'm getting excited here. Let me calm down. My goodness. The gates of hell will not prevail against, against us. That means we're supposed to bash them down, pull those out that would be heading there. As one, some are saved, as a man saved from a fire. Amen? Gates of hell will not prevail against us. Guess what? This means Satan has no defenses. How cool is that? We're so, oftentimes as Christians here, when we're not living in the kingdom perspective, we're so worried about the enemy's attack, the enemy's attack. Guess what? He is really good at attacking us. And he has the same old rotten playbook because it still works, right? And he comes at us, he comes out, he uses the people closest to us, and he comes at us, and he comes at us. He is attacking us, right? But you know what? We're so fixated on that. What we need to be fixated on is how we are attacking back and how we are pushing back against the, the godless culture. It's trying to invade our families and our children's minds and our hearts and our minds. Satan has no defenses against us when what? When we speak to the rock. When we speak the word, church. So speak it. Speak it. I implore you from the top of your lungs, church, speak it. There's no need to strike the rock. Get this, okay? Don't let it be lost in you. There's no need to strike the rock. Just speak the word of God, the word of truth. We're called not to violence. Do you get this? We're called not to violence. I know we're frustrated. I know you would love to strike the rock, wouldn't we? With everything that we see happening. My goodness. Mm -mm -mm. We're called not to violence, but to boldly speak. Do you advocate for his interests? Hear my heart here. Do you advocate for his interest? Because there is a lot going on here that he is interested in. Do you believe it? There is a lot going on in this world and in your city that he is very interested in. Yet most of the church seems disinterested in most matters. It's true. True statement. Most of the church seems disinterested. Yet our king is very interested in things that we are not taking up. Issues that he would have us speak truth to. Oh, church. It's my heart's desire. It is truly my heart's desire that we, as a church, would not take the name of the Lord in vain. Do you know what I'm saying in that? Can I see that next graphic? Hear me here. Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 11. We've heard this before. You shall not take the name of the Lord, your God, in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Now come back to me here on the picture real quick before we give it away too much. I always grew up thinking that that's to swear, to say a bad word, right? To say the Lord's name in anger or something like that, right? Do you know that that is not what that means at all? This is another one of those that's, that I want to put in that sermon series that says that's not in the Bible, okay? So next time you slam your thumb in the car door and you say something you shouldn't, you're not taking the name of the Lord in vain. Can I, let's go back to that graphic now. Can I see that? Let's take this apart. Let's tear it apart, shall we? You shall not take. You know what that means? That's a Hebrew word, nasah. It means uh, to lift. I spelled that wrong. That's my bad. <laughs> to lift, not life. To lift, to bear up, to carry, support, sustain, endure. Slow down here. To lift the name of the Lord up, to bear it. It can be heavy sometimes, can it? It can be heavy in certain, certain situations of life. To carry it. Think of what it takes to carry something. Think of Jesus carrying the cross. It can be heavy to bear it up, to carry it, to support, to support the name of the Lord. Do you support the name of the Lord? at work, in, in the sewing circles, and the break room, and everywhere else? Do you support the name of the Lord uh, in, uh, in the public arena? Do you support the name of the... When we have a godly Christian uh, uh, person who's carrying the name of the Lord running for office, do we support the name of the Lord and support them? <sighs> do we support the Lord's interests? Man, we need more Christians running for every office. We need Christians on the school board. 
You know, that's what the Muslim Brotherhood does. In the 80s, uh, they launched their mission. They put it on their website for crying out loud. Anybody could see it. The Muslim Brotherhood declared their mission to get uh, Muslims in every public arena in this country. Why? So they could advocate for their king's interests. Okay? Asher, when he was uh, six years old, seven years old, Amber would know, uh, he had a Boy Scout. We joined the Boy Scouts. We was going to Gower Elementary School uh, downtown. We lived on West End, and and his cub, his, the scout leader that was assigned to him was a Sharia uh, believing Muslim woman in the full garb, and which our minds were blown. That was that was the Muslim Brotherhood's initiative that they started in the 80s, bearing full fruit, to be influencers in positions of power in every community across the United States. And they have done so well. They have, done, they have taken over Dearborn, Michigan. There are communities, there's police, there are no-go zones in those cities where police don't go for their own safeties. It's frightening. I digress though, I digress. To support, to lift up, to bear, support the name of the Lord, to sustain it. How well are we doing sustaining the name of the Lord and to endure? Endure the, it's a lot. Endure the persecution of it. Endure the name. Did you know, notice what that does not say? It does not say you shall not say the name of the Lord. It doesn't say that you should not say the name. No, it says you shall not bear, carry, support, sustain, endure. Guess what? When Amber married me, she took my name. And that is a lot to endure, right? I mean, I hope not, but she carries it, and she carries it well. She wears it well, doesn't she? I think she does. But that's what it is to take the name of the Lord Jesus. I take it on. I, I, she, when, she, when she meets people, hi, what's your name? I'm Amber Randall. She identifies with me. What an honor I have, right? How does that, that honors me so. In the same way, you take on the name of Christ when you advocate his interests, when you tell people you are a believer, when you are a follower of Jesus, you take his name, you identify with it. That's what it means, church. Mm, let's keep reading. Let's keep reading. Go back to that. The name, when you take, do not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. What's that word in Hebrew? Shav. Shav. Guess what? It means empty, meaningless lie falsehood. Don't do it falsely. Don't lie about it. Vanity. Don't do it to make yourself look holy or anything like that. Worthless of conduct. So, so <coughs> hear me now. Do not take the, Lord of, the name of the Lord your God in an empty, meaningless way that is worthless of conduct. Do you hear me? For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in an empty, meaningless, worthless name. You're an ambassador of Christ. Come on now, you're an ambassador of Christ. An ambassador of the King here and now in this place. Church, do you hear me? Do you advocate for His interests? Do you speak up boldly? Boldly does not mean rudely, by the way. You can be bold without being rude. Do you speak up? boldly? Do you give the truth? Hear me here. Oh, if you're a note taker, write this down. Write this down. I didn't make this a nugget or a point. I probably should have. Do you give the truth the opportunity to do its work? As God just said, speak to the rock and the living waters will flow. This is the rock that we're built on. The word of God will do its work. The gates of hell will not pre prevail against the truth. Truth is our sword, and we, have, we wage war not as those of the world wage war. We wage war in spirit, and the truth is our sword. Do you give the truth the opportunity to do its work, church, on a foundational level, right? We talked about getting back to basics when we started tonight, didn't we? On a foundational level, this is who we are. This is what God 
intends for you to do in this world. This is the introduction that Jesus gave you as to who you are. Do you believe it? Do you embrace it? Do you live it? Truly, church, ask yourself these questions. Life application, it doesn't get any more real than this, all right? Be real with yourself. This is who you are. This is what God intends for you to do in this world. Have you ever found yourself just saying, oh, what do you want me to do with my life? Well, here it is. It's an introduction that he gave you. Do you believe it? Do you embrace it? Do you live it? This is the way that we are called to live, called out. How many know that the word Christian was not initially uh, used as an identifier among disciples? Did you know that? We're Christians, right? We know what that means when we say we're Christians. That's not what the first church called themselves. It's not. How many of you guys know that? The word Christian is actually a Greek word. Guess what the first church was? They were Jews, right? My, my, things are getting hairy now, aren't they? The first church was simply referred to as those who follow the way. Those who follow the way. Probably originating from Christ himself who called himself the way in John chapter 14, verse 6. This name was used widely, widely in the book of Acts. The below verses prove uh, that they were, and I'm going to give you these uh, verses on your screen, I guess. So below to me, but on the screen for you. Uh, they prove, these verses I'm going to give you prove that they were known more widely as the way. Okay, the Christian, the, the, they were known more widely as the, as the way rather than Christians, especially as Paul introduces himself as a follower of the way to the governor uh, and not as a Christian per se in Acts chapter 24, even though they were known, they were known as Christians by Acts chapter 11, but not right off the bat. Can I see those verses? Do we have those? Look at this. Acts 9-2. And he asked them for letters to the synagogue at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. Acts 19, verse 9. But when some of them became stubborn and continued in unbelief, speaking evil of the way, before the congregation he withdrew from them and took the disciples with him, reasoning daily in the hall of uh, Tyrannus. Verse 19.23 About that time there arose no little disturbance concerning the way. And Acts chapter 24, verse 14. But this I confess to you. That according to the way, which they call a sect, there it is right there, so the sect was called the way, I worship the God of our fathers, believing everything laid down by the law and written in the prophets, and lastly, Acts 24, verse 22, but Felix, having a rather accurate knowledge of the way, put them off, saying, when Lysias, when the tribune comes down, I will decide your case. So, there we have it, church. I just... I wanted to highlight that to close tonight because what a, so what about you? What about you? Are you a follower of the way? Are you truly an ambassador of the kingdom of God representing your king's interest? Because he's, I said it before, there's a lot going on in this country right now in this city that he's interested in. Are you an advocate for his interests? I hope so. I hope you're a follower of the way. I know there are a lot of people that think they are Christians, but they certainly are not followers of the way. And that should be frightening. That should be frightening. Is your foundation built on the rock from which living waters flow? You can know the answer to that question tonight. You can. You can. So with every eye closed and every head bowed, if you're with us tonight, and maybe the Holy Spirit is bringing some conviction to your hearts because you are His, you do call on His name, but maybe you have, maybe you have 
not been representing his name well. Maybe you haven't embraced your role as an ambassador for the kingdom of God. Maybe you have been taking on his name in an empty and meaningless way while you're just trying to build your own little kingdom here. Gosh, I think so many of us have been guilty of that. I've been guilty of that. I'm not, uh, I'm not above it, church. I've been guilty of that in my life. I think it may be the most widespread disease that we have in the church today. And it's a failure to adopt a kingdom mentality is the root. Are you somebody who's struggling with that? Or you're, the Holy Spirit is convicting you of that? And you don't want to carry the name of God in an empty and meaningless way. You want to speak the truth boldly and let living waters flow. Maybe you haven't been speaking up. and Maybe you haven't been. Maybe you're. How about this? Maybe you've, you're just so fed up with everything that's around. You just want to strike the rock, right? And you have a hard time just speaking the truth in the manner and time and place. Maybe there's people. Oh, this might be for somebody. Maybe there's people that you'd just rather not speak the truth to because they're strike the rock people for you. You're done with them. You just can't stand them. I, I know what, if I did speak the truth to them, I know how they would respond anyway, so you're writing them off. No, you're, you're called to be an ambassador of Christ, to bear it, to carry it. And it's not an easy thing to do church so I don't know maybe we could we could be the Holy Spirit could be doing so much so many different things with all of us here tonight if he's doing something with you right now I just want you to just close your eyes if you're with somebody or you're not with somebody it doesn't matter raise your hands just lay your heart prostrate before the Lord and say Jesus Lord, I want to see the world through your lens, through the kingdom mentality and perspective. Lord Jesus, Lord, do a work in my heart and my mind. I repent. I repent. I change how I see things. I don't want to be wrapped up in building my kingdom, my house, my career, my family. I want to, Lord, I want your interests here to be first in my heart. And the first thing out of my mouth is to speak the truth to every person, every, every uh, scenario, every circumstance, God. Lord Jesus, just I pray, Lord, that you would just help me, God. Give me the strength that I need, the wisdom that I need, the discernment that I need to stand in this place that you've put me and to do your work in the way and manner that you'd have me do it. Lord Jesus, Lord, we humble our hearts, Father. We are all broken we are all incomplete without you, God. Lord, we're all selfish in our own ways, God. Lord, we humble our hearts, Father, and we lay down our desires. We say this, Lord Jesus, with all our hearts. We say, Lord, our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done. Your will be done on earth here as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. If you're watching this and you're, you're surrendering your heart tonight and you're giving your all to Jesus, maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time, and you prayed that with us tonight, I want you to message us. I hope you'll message us. We want to pray with you. We want to talk to you about what's next in your life. Or maybe you're struggling with some of the stuff we talked about tonight. You're not alone. I said it earlier. You might feel alone, but you're not alone. So reach out. We want our Life Story Church wants to rally around you, okay? Whether you're among us already or you don't have a church family, we want to rally around you. So please message us if we're able to meet on Sunday. Come fellowship with us, guys. Uh, stay tuned to Life Story Church's Facebook page uh, for announcements and everything else. If you want to be on our email list, guys, you should all be on our email list, especially if your heart's here at Life Story. So you can, that's a, just another way to stay connected, okay? So message us your email address if you haven't done that yet either. So uh, uh, 
We just love you guys so much. Thank you for being here tonight. We'll see you guys uh, Sunday morning. Again, if weather permits, we'll be meeting uh, out at the Rowwood Retreat. So join us, 10.30 a.m. We'll also stream that. So if you're not in Nashville and you're not able to uh, meet with us at the re retreat, uh, don't worry. You'll still be able to meet, meet with us online, as we always do. Uh, just a little bit different of a technical setup for us. Of course. So with that, let me say a blessing over you and we'll say good night. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May he make his face to shine upon you. May he pour his favor out on your lives. May you grow in your knowledge of who you are and the purpose that you have. Oh, Lord. May you grow in your understanding of the kingdom of God, a kingdom perspective. May you grow in grace in your understanding of the love that Jesus has for you, what he did for you, and the freedom, the new life, the blessing that he has for you, the living waters that he has for you to drink. May you, may you, may you walk in his presence all the days of your life, and may you prosper in all you do. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. We love you guys. Amen.